0: Welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast and another creator interview. So today's guest is one of Marvel's most exciting and versatile creators. Having cut her teeth with Calibre Comics and self-published web comics, she entered the world of Asgard, co-writing with Jason Aaron. And this was a perfect fit as she was born and raised in Norway, where the old myths and legends were part of daily life. Not only that, but she was literally named after the God of Thunder, as her name literally means to love Thor. From working on Jim Foster Valkyrie through The Mighty Valkyrie, she also entered the world of Warhammer, as Marvel continued to expand their 40k line with a badass miniseries focusing on the sci-fi warrior nuns, otherwise known as the Sisters of Battle. Again, another perfect fit given her love for the world of Warhammer. She got to play in the world of Carol Danvers with a Captain Marvel Annual and then on, to, on the horizon are titles featuring Jane Foster and even Frank Castle. Suffice to say this is a name you're going to be hearing more and more from the mighty world of Marvel and beyond. Your host is always Alan from Coffee and Heroes. I'm joined by Keith as ever and it's our pleasure today to welcome onto the podcast Toru Grombeck. Good afternoon and how are you? I'm
1: fine. How are you?
0: I'm wonderful. I, I always like to massage the ego, put the guests at ease by knowing that we're just fanboying out just by chatting to them. So, you know, we 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 that find is, that's the best way to do it.
1: I think that's the best introduction I've ever gotten in my life. <laughs> I'm going to start bringing you to parties.
0: That can be, arranged, uh, that can be yeah. I, I am okay. available for pre-dinner speeches, no problem.
1: Yeah, that, that would be excellent. I always try to, when I do small talk, I always try to elevate the small talk somehow. Mm-hmm. And it almost always goes wrong. Um, so I'll begin with something and then it just, sometimes it works, but other times I'll be, I'll be like, so cannibalism, what do you think? Like, it, it's just, it's so awkward. So I will start bringing you and you can talk.
2: Can for done. Can done. <laughs> right. Perfect. New job, Alan, new job. So whereabouts are you located?
1: I am in Norway. Uh, that's where I live. And then sometimes you see me in Sweden, in the Swedish forest, because that's where I have my cabin, where I go to write When everything is kind of falling apart, I go there.
2: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And whereabouts in Norway?
1: Just in the east of Norway, not the exciting part. When you go to Norway, if you ever go to Norway, make sure you see the coast, because that's where you kind of start believing in God and, and everything is so irresistibly beautiful and fantastic and then here it's just oh, it's it's fine
2: it's a it's a lovely lovely country I was there about God, I think about 20 years ago traveled from from uh from the south right up to Narvik uh, and uh sort of a train journey uh, sort of through the forests sort of along the east it was was gorgeous in itself I'm a huge fan of forests so that cabin sounds glorious
1: oh it is I it is one of those places that I go and uh, the, the fun thing about being in a forest is that there there are only like weirdos in the forest who live there full time. Everyone's a fucking weirdo. Can I swear?
0: You can, of course. you can talk whatever yeah, okay, you good. want. Disclaimers are oh. easy to put in at the start. That's yeah, fine.
1: Just, yeah, because there will be swearing. Uh, <laughs> and it occurred to me the other day when I was there and, and I, I write all night and I sleep and I try to get some sunlight and uh, and I'm chopping wood and I, I you know, keep breaking my fingers. And, and I realized at some point that I'm a fucking weirdo too. <laughs> like I'm one of them.
0: It's all about that acceptance really though, isn't it?
1: And the the fun thing is that the, like the Americans, they love the, the like if if there's a it's the moose walking through the cabin or past the cabin, they'll be freak out. And be like, oh, this is so exotic and glorious! And is that your best American?
0: Me, is that your best American accent?
1: I, I haven't like I couldn't do accents if I tried. I'll, I'll at some point I've spent most of my time. Uh, like English-speaking time uh, over the past years, being with people from Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. which means that if I speak to you for an hour now, I'm going to start picking up your accent and sound like a fucking idiot. That'd be great.
0: <laughs> oh, you're saying we sound like idiots? That's that's very. Uh, no, no, that's I say that I will sound like an idiot. <laughs> well, it's just good that you're chatting with people from Northern Ireland, which means we don't have to worry about you understanding us, which uh, can be uh can be an interesting one sometimes. I mean, you mentioned that uh, that cabin you have. I mean. We're obviously in the midst, well, we've been coming out of the the, the worldwide pandemic and lockdown and so forth. That was an interesting time, to say the least. But, I mean, how was everything for you over there? Did you just relocate to that cabin and just think, you know what, I'm just going to wait it out here?
1: No, well, the border's closed, so we couldn't go over there, uh, which was horrible. Because I didn't uh, know beforehand how much I uh, relied on being able to... Uh, just walk away from civilization and just stay there for a while. Uh, and I couldn't for almost a year. Um, uh, but I mean, it's been fine here. Uh, it's, it's been as ridiculous as in the rest of the world, I suppose. <laughs> I think that the worst part for me is just seeing that, I've like seen truth and fact just die in real time and then uh, just whatever faith I had in humanity at some point it's just it's gone. Uh so that's been interesting. And then like like I had I had a very like peak 2022 moment the other day. We just finished with like quarantine and everything, and now we're um obviously dealing with the Ukraine war. Um and the school sent out like permission slips for like if there's a nuclear disaster, they need permission to be able to feed the kids iodine. Um which is good, and then in the Facebook group with of the parents, all of them were like, "Where is the research? My son is lactose intolerant. What will happen?" I, 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 I don't know. I think yeah. I think we might just deserve whatever's coming. Yeah,
2: I, don't I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, that that I think I find myself thinking very often about this post post truth world in which we live. Uh, you know, where 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 fact and opinion very much are an equal footing you know it's it's absolutely crazy and i mean given that we just yesterday went through uh, an election here in northern ireland it's very much in my mind so i can i can absolutely absolutely understand but that's uh, that's very very interesting geez they're preparing your your kids for
1: well disaster. I mean, we, we did feel chernobyl quite especially in the north of norway mm-hmm. uh, so so a lot of people remember it well uh, and I think um, that the government had a plan all along to be able, like, we, we do have store iodine for all the people of under the of, age of 40,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: think. Um, and then the, the Ukraine war just kind of pushed it into, like, oh, we need to get those signatures now and just make sure. Yeah. But we're, we're obviously hoping. That just yeah. everyone keeps their finger off the buttons. Yeah,
2: well, would, I think well. we're... I think I think we're we're of an accord there, uh, for sure. So I mean, I feel like maybe, I'm
1: sharing wisdom here now. Just yeah. let's just let's hope for let's
2: just yeah. yeah let's just uh, uh ratchet it down a little bit. You know mm-hmm. that would be that would be nice. I mean that th- those couple of years, as you say, you know the the borders closed and uh, and so forth. You know, as a as a creative as a writer, did that. Did that benefit your work or impede your work, you know, being, being, being sort of bound to the house? You know, did that allow you to focus on your creative process or was it was it really off-putting? I,
1: I think the, um, the, the staying inside, was that was not a problem or, or staying inside the house. We, we have, like, I, I live in a house, I have my studio, uh, that was fine. I think that the main problem was kind of figuring out what kind of stories are relevant to tell now, uh, what pe- what. Would people both need and want to read. Um, And I had to scrap a couple of creator-owned books that were just a bit tasteless given the circumstances Mm. um, that I I might try to get back into, but we kind of just have to kill a few projects just based on the content and and what people are going through. Uh, So I, I would say I've been fine for the most part, uh, except for, you know, the existential dread of Mm -hmm. it all. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But, I mean, my kids are old enough that they will just figure things out themselves. I know that I, like, and for the past years, I've been, past year, I've been able to go back to the cabin as well. So I've been fine.
0: Well, that's good. That's good to hear. That's good I
1: miss hear. people though. I miss especially comics people, uh, and I haven't done basically any signings. Like just a couple since I started working for Marvel. Um, and whenever I meet Marvel fans now, I'm so surprised that they know. I can't work. <laughs> so I kind of miss doing that, just talking to the readers.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I that's, mean we'll... that, that's definitely the thing with it, isn't it? I mean, with cons, you're there to promote your work, to meet people, to let them see the, the people behind the work, so to speak. I suppose with, you know, it is a it is often a cesspool of humanity with Twitter, but it is also good, I find, in terms of, you know, getting yourself noticed creatively and engaging with people. But yeah, you you really got to narrow down who you talk to on Twitter, I find, so you don't get angry about it. But, uh, yeah, no, it's it's good to see con seasons are happening again. I mean, you were saying that you possibly have a, a convention appearance coming up soon.
1: Well, I'm going to uh, the L- London Film and Comic Con in July, and I'll be at Thought Bubble for sure this year. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of relieved to just be able to leave the country a little bit again. I always try to travel at least um, during spring like early spring and w- when the winter is starting to get to me and the darkness is really i try to I try to get out of the house at some point yeah,
0: that's a good positive because mindset. i mean
1: yeah Yep. Yeah, but i will i will i will be around this year and more even next year i think
0: have you done thought bubble before or will this be your first time
1: i know i've, I've been there every year for oh well not the past two years but Every year before then for I don't know, five, six years or something like that. The I only, love football
0: Yeah, I mean the, the only reason I ask is I only had my first experience at it back in November there and it was phenomenal because it wasn't a comic con masquerading as a comic con, but with all these TV and film actors and this and that. It was literally creatives. It was writers, it was artists, it was publishers. And it was absolutely fantastic. You know, you could have thrown a rock and you would have hit a, well, you would have made someone angry, but you would have hit a really <laughs> talented, creative person, you know, and it was, and it's just such a self-contained little place that it takes place in as well. So, yeah, I, I love Thought Bubble. So, yeah, I'm hoping to get there again this year, but obviously that will depend on personal circumstances. So uh, we, if we, oh, yeah, next- because
1: <laughs> how much you're sleeping? How much
0: we're sleeping, how the missus is, how much holiday Keith has booked up, you know, that he can run the store. Uh, we need to talk about that. <laughs> Hold on. I wanted to go with you. <laughs> <laughs> may need to bring in a third ringer on this one.
2: We may have okay, to so,
1: do. so there's no way the, the two of you can do anything together because one needs to be in the store. Well no not
0: really. I mean we would have one or two others that could run it as well. It's just Keith would be the person who would have had the most experience running it. he would be the first person I would I would certainly go to to ask you know but but no, as you say I mean you've obviously London coming up you've you've thought bubble and then of course you've got that just scheduled into your uh, diary trip over to Belfast. Oh
1: you know I would I would love to. And and it feels like it feels easier now just because uh like a, a couple of months ago it's it, it felt a little just planning any travel
0: mm-hmm.
1: seemed difficult, but I went to New York and it was excellent and fine. Uh, and it feels like things are starting to kind of start again. And besides, I had COVID during Christmas um, and it was absolutely horrible. But now that I had it, I'm, like, I'm, I'm hoping I will be able, Like if something happens, it should be fine, I hope.
2: It was... Uh... I, I sort of had a, had a similar uh, situation. I was uh, visiting London for, for work, my head office is in London, and uh, came back and, of course, tested positive for, for COVID. Uh, about, I suppose it was a couple of months ago now, Alan. But, uh, mm-hmm. but after that, I guess I started thinking in terms of, uh, you know, risk management. You know what I mean? Because the, the trip to London was definitely worth, you know, being a little sick, you know, yep. afterwards. You know, so, I mean, I guess maybe that's how we have to. Start thinking about it, you know, while still being careful and masking up and, and keeping up to date with the stuff.
1: Uh, and keep all the people who, who will get really sick, keeping them safe. But I, I, I caught it. I went to Chicago for C2E2. Uh, I didn't do the con as much as I just went to hang with Brian and Garth and Jen. Like I, I went to hang with people. Uh, so we just used C2E2 as an uh, excuse to meet. And then we realized we we're meeting in Chicago in December, which is. I don't know why we would ever do that but it was excellent uh and then i caught covid but i think it was the taxi driver who said um he didn't test himself uh but he did pray for himself and for everyone who entered the taxi and left the taxi and i sat there Um, going if i caught catch this shit from you now and then four (laughs) days later i was like oh yeah Positive. Excellent. Oh
2: my God! Yeah, uh, yeah. If, if you count remember, he'd have to, he'd have to pray for more than for more yep. than just yeah. Um, you've mentioned actually before we were before we, we, we hit the record button, you've mentioned your uh your your acquaintances and your friendships with uh, with Gareth Ennis, John McRae. That's that's a lot of Belfast. That's a lot of Belfast.
1: That is a lot of Belfast, but they are wonderful people, and they have the best stories. They're all they're always insane. Um. Were you old enough or young? Like, are you old enough to have ever gone to John's store when he had the store? Okay, I'm think. not sure if that was in Belfast, but he did have like a run, like a comic book store at some mm-hmm. point. So I was trying to find someone who, who actually went there because I can't picture for the life of me John McRae running anything.
2: Yeah, no, definitely, definitely old enough. But uh, but uh, I, uh, as I say, wasn't wasn't from Belfast. And, uh, and I think at the time that John was running the store, Belfast was a slightly trickier place to be in. Uh, right. So, you know, uh, but uh, yeah, I had to, I mean, I was far enough away that whenever I wanted comics, I had to mail order them from a store in Belfast or, you know, I remember my first trip down, I think, to that comic store, Talisman, uh, whenever I was about sort of 14. Uh, and, and just, it was the first time I'd ever seen comics on Shelves and on racks, and I was like, "Oh my god, this exists! This is heaven."
1: <laughs> so, do forgive my ignorance here, but was it like if you wanted to go into Belfast as a kid, were your mother like, uh "No, go wherever it, you want"? It was very it
0: segregated. It was very much don't leave your area, so to speak. I mean, the thing is for me. I mean, I I live in Belfast and have pretty much most of my life. I, I lived in England for a few years, but. My mum and dad they moved away from Belfast when they had my brother and myself and we moved maybe about 30 miles outside of Belfast and we only moved back when I was about five so late 80s and they would tell us stories yeah you just you don't leave your own area you only go to the pub that's in your area like Belfast now it's it's a really social city you know there's there's great restaurants there's great bars there's nightclubs there's loads of uh, music events and things like that but My mum and dad will be the first to tell you there was none of that when they were, you know, our age. It just wasn't the way it was. It was just a bit of a battleground sort of place. And it's hard for me even to picture it because, again, they they were responsible enough and loved us enough to move us away from it so we didn't get, you know, affected by it. So... But yeah, no, speaking about Talisman, I mean Talisman was my first ever comic book store. I I still remember to this day having nightmares as a kid because I went in when I was nine years old. And, you know, I I like to think this is quite topical given the unfortunate passing of Neil Adams, but I saw a Batman issue cover where Raz Al Ghul was holding a bat suit that he had torn off of Batman and Batman's in the foreground with a large blade through his chest, and I burst out crying in the store to my mother because I said a Batman can't die. What is this? And I think that really affected me for a number of years. But I'm I'm glad to say I'm finally over it. I own that issue now, so we're 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 all good. But yeah, Talisman is. It was very much the independent store in Belfast. It wasn't bankrolled by any big company like a Forbidden Planet or a Midtown Comics or anything like that. And where we are in Belfast, we're actually in the same center where it used to be, uh, and then they moved to a unit outside of that. But we like to try and invoke their spirit because they were very much like us. It was 90% comics and then maybe a few models, a few bits of merchandise. But yeah, it was a, it was
1: a bit of a
0: haven.
2: Well, while, uh, while, while Garth and, uh, and, and John may have told you about Belfast. We'll be very happy to show you the place.
1: Sure show me the, the restaurants and the pubs and the exactly. everything. Yeah, yeah. I would love that.
2: <laughs> we'll leave the comic store to
1: last.
0: We'll do the most the more, the more important things first.
1: <laughs> I miss comic stores desperately. We like we have a couple in, in Oslo. Um but I have to go like into the city to get there. Uh, we do not have like single issues and everything. So so that's what I do when I travel now. I just put like I set aside one day to just hang around in a comic book store. Um, I went to, when I went to New York now, I went to Midtown uh, uh, to see if they had my Captain Marvel book, like an idiot, but I don't get the variants. I only get like the main cover and I want the variant. (laughs) And then at some point, because they didn't have it, uh, I, I went, oh, no, you see. i'm I'm the writer like like just (laughs) and i could just hear myself oh it's i'm just so like i I hate myself right now i'm one of those people (laughs) yeah i I am now what it was like (laughs) i am now my fucking mother who will tell it like she does she's never read anything i've ever written but she will brag like an idiot um and then the the poor guy who's like oh then you can have mine and he pulled out from his police the variant cover and it's the sweetest thing that ever happened to me. And just because I'm just, I just, I miss comic book stores. That's what I do. Yeah. uh, I don't need the other things. I just need to go places and have a drink and then go to the comic book store. That's,
2: that's, that's, that sounds like a perfect day. That sounds like a perfect day. And actually that's, that's lovely with that story you tell because Alan actually does the same quite a lot. You know, there'll be times that we'll be reviewing comics and I'll go, did you read that? And he goes, he goes, ah, I had to give my copy to a customer because. Oh, you know so he's, he's well known for that particular that uh, particular behavior
0: yeah.
1: that is excellent of you I'll...
0: it's both a good thing and a bad thing there are times when i regret it instantly but no i'll, I'll always sort out a customer before myself but yeah it's just it's so hard to, to judge how many of something to order that's the thing it's the hardest thing in comics you know um you know we obviously we do previews podcasts we do a previews board in our store we 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 have the previews books there. We try to inform people as best as possible, but the amount of people a week something comes out and goes, oh, I didn't realize that was coming out. I've been telling you about it for two months. But, you know, they don't listen, so I have to give up my stuff. But, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, the one thing we preach in our store is community. And it's, it's, you know, we have sit-in facilities and we coffee facility and stuff like that. So people come sometimes just to catch up bitch about comics chat about movies and you know check in on each other and i think that's been quite important in the last couple of years so but uh yeah on on comics of course we have to ask you the big question dc or marvel well i I,
1: i'm going to go with marvel (laughs) uh of course i do I, i i I'm not sure if I would have said the same a few years ago, uh, but after kind of getting into the Marvel universe over the past few years, um, I just fucking love it. I can't yeah. help myself. It's and making, it, it making is making me
2: happy. Making me happy.
1: Yep. Yeah, good, good. And, yeah. and I do. I, I love a lot of the DC stuff as well. But it is. Um, it's. Some, sometimes it gets darker in a way that I find. I get. It, I, I get a little impatient about it. Um, and then, and then I feel. Like it's good, but it's just not for me. There's a lot of that that I feel.
2: It's a, uh, you know, we we set ourselves up, you know, whenever we're podcasting that I'm I'm the Marvel guy because that's where I got into comics, and and uh, and Alan's the DC guy. But in actual fact, both of our pull lists are more indie than Marvel or DC. <laughs> sure. yeah.
1: and and that would be probably because I uh when I got into comics, I was in read the. There, there was a huge gap between the, the, the whatever I could read in Norwegian as a kid, uh, and then at some point when I could read English with a certain amount of confidence, I just went straight into the Vertigo stuff. Um, so I, I sort of missed the, the kid comics, either DC or Marvel thing when I grew up. I think the first Marvel comic that I read that I sort of like, oh, this is a Marvel comic, that was a Punisher one which isn't exactly Marvel Universe as much as it is the Punisher with sometimes some Marvel characters involved. Um, So to me, it was always, I, I couldn't answer that question with any sort of confidence until like a few years ago when I started reading everything.
0: Out of pure interest, that Punisher issue, was that written by Garth Ennis by any chance?
1: oh yeah it was the thing is i read all the um, uh I, I read a bunch of the verticals I, I read all the vertical stuff that was my thing um I, and this is at a time where i didn't have any money and i would go to the comic book store i would have like 20 bucks and i could buy one book uh and i would talk to people and be like so w- what should i get because i've read all the vertical stuff so so what's next um uh, and the safest thing was obviously to go because Garth and I love Garth, but I, what I true Steve Dillon is my first and only love. Like he he is the guy. Um, like I always say that when people ask me why I wanted to write comics, it's because of Steve Dillon and his just the silent panels just expression panels um that he did so everything i paint is just people having some sort of expression i've spent 40 hours painting one one person he spends i don't know 15 minutes making the perfect expression it annoys me but i mean yeah uh so, so i when whenever i at some point went so what should i use my 20 bucks on now they would go okay so what do you like? And I would go Steve Dillon, just give me war, Steve Dillon. Um so the first one I think it was like the Punisher, the, the Marvel Knights thing maybe. I'm not yeah. sure. Uh-huh.
2: Wow. Yeah. Um, um that, that's that's interesting, you know, because there's you know, there's there sometimes appears to be a wee bit of a division, you know. Between you know writers and and, and and artists, and very often you'll you'll find writers go and well, writing is what drives the book, and then artists, like for example Rob Liefeld, you know, is very much about art driving the book. Uh, so it's interesting to hear a writer talk about art driving the book.
1: Well, I, I, think, I think it's odd that all comic writers, I would think they would see that the that the art is the most important thing. We can do a lot. Um, and, and I always think the writing is hugely important. Um, but the the art is the most important thing. Uh, and I always try to, like, I just got the, I have three Punisher books coming up, but I just got an artist for the third one, which isn't announced yet, the the artist. Um, and he's got such a specific style. I'll need to change my entire script. Uh, and I just love it because it's going to be a lot better, um, because he's got such a distinctive style and i can't wait to have that book out and be like oh yeah it's my brilliance when it's obviously just him being absolutely brilliant so it's good
0: yeah it's amazing that i mean it's it's such a visually driven medium i always i mean i i love writers and artists equally and either will attract me to a book if it's a style that i like but i do always say that great art will save a bad story but you can have an amazing story. If it's ugly to look at, you're not really going to stick with it, I think. You'd rather just read a prose or read a novel. But, yeah. you know, for me in comics, you know, artist is keen. So, but I think that, I think where that comes down to is writers can be much more prolific. They can obviously generate more work in a shorter space of time than obviously, as you say, an artist who, you know, slaves away, you know, drawing and then rubs it out because they hate it and they doubt themselves and, and this and that. So, but, uh out of curiosity, with your you were saying you you had a couple of Punisher books. You know, do you get on the get on the phone to Garth and ask him for advice?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I probably could, uh, but I don't. I, I I sent him. I I had to remove the word hard on from uh, the book. And I said, I, I told him he's he's also doing a, a Punisher thing. So, uh, but he gets away with a lot more stuff. And <laughs> I think that's like the Punisher Max or whatever. So he he, he can say a lot of things that I can't. Uh... Uh, and I said, oh fuck, I couldn't say hard on. And he'll <laughs> he'll write me something back that is just I couldn't I couldn't say it anywhere because it's just awful um but it is it's i, I think what, what's interesting about garth is or garth and the punisher uh is that he, he is like the definitive punisher writer um so when it was announced that i was writing the punisher i got a bunch of men uh, and i do love men but my god uh being like hey have you ever read any garth and his punisher uh-huh. I'm like yeah
0: <laughs> we, we apologize <laughs> we apologize for our no
1: no no it's fine. It's just it fascinates me that the people are like, there's this guy. I'm not sure if you heard of him, <laughs> Garth Ennis. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. he's. Yeah, he's I read he, the books.
0: He's he's one of my best friends. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's uh, and then I'll I'll screenshot it and send it over to Garth. you're like, I I uh... He, he knows. He's seen the tattoos. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so when it comes to comics, I mean, how did you uh, break into the industry? Then you know, was the aim always to get into comics? Obviously, you're a portrait painter as well. You you have skills outside of writing and comics and so forth. But ha- has your goal always been to get into comics? And how did you how did you break in?
1: Well, I, I'm not sure if it it wasn't always the goal. I've always been like a huge just uh, like a geek. Um I'm my, my first thing was computers. I love computers or I love computers. I've been, I been I got a Commodore 64 when I was seven and then that's what I did for a long while. And then at some point because of the like if you're in a geeky community, there will be comics. I started reading comics and I always wanted to write, but that was kind of a separate thing. And then at some point I was I was writing I can remember a scene I was writing, just uh like in a in a novel. Mm-hmm. and i realized that i needed i needed the silent panel i needed steve dillon uh <laughs> and then and then i was like maybe i should just write comics and i kind of googled how to write comics and i wrote a script um uh, like over the next week uh and that turned into my first creator own book but i didn't go into it with like a, a plan to um I just wanted to write because I love writing uh, and then I love comics, so it seems natural. But other than that, I'm just kind of going with it and seeing where it takes me.
2: And how long ago was that first creator owned script?
1: I think it's like 10 years ago or something. Something like that, yeah.
2: Um, and you've been, I mean, you, you're, no, you're no stranger to collaboration um you know and we'll we'll get on to a little bit of that later uh a wee bit further down the track but is there anyone out there currently who you would be interested in collaborating with oh
1: like like what? artists
2: apart from steve <laughs> or,
1: yeah, that, that would be something i think like you've, you've seen like steve epting you've seen his work oh yeah oh it's so good Yep. Like yeah. Like yeah. Uh, but it, uh, th- there are a few artists that I would love to work with. Keith Burns being another one. Like my my house at this point is a sort of shrine to Keith Burns. I have so many Keith Burns pieces. But he does. He, he is a fantastic artist who paints the things that I love most in this world, which is you know aircrafts. But, I don't know um so that would be something at some point to collaborate collaborate with with uh, keith burns but it is one of those things that when you work for marvel uh you do get to work with the best people uh which is fantastic so i I, i'm always amazed that the talent i get to work with uh both the editors and artists and the letterers and the colorists it, it, it um it's a lot of fun and and it's interesting especially when you see um someone that you wouldn't necessarily think you would be a good fit with and then it turns into something um spectacular which is always fun I like to be like the, the one that I, I would like to be the worst one on the team that's great <laughs> like if everyone is excellent that's uh, and and I'll, I'll try to keep up that's what I'm going for <laughs>
2: and, and you were you were kind enough there just before we started recording to give us a, a little uh, tour around your your background there. And you mentioned Keith Burns and, and planes. You've got a real interest in, in, like Garth, a real interest in military history.
1: Oh, yeah. The, the military history, I think it began because I was reading about Russia. And whenever you read, like when I was, I was like a, a pretentious little that 11 and being like, oh, I'm going to understand the world now and I was reading Dostoevsky and uh, like, like if, it, if it was pretentious enough I would read it uh, and then I, I got into Russia and you can't read about Russia without getting into the military history of it all uh, and it's so fascinating uh, so it kind of just went from there uh, until I, I'm now here where we're kind of living through history which mm. is also interesting Excellent. Um
2: and does that does that interest then? I mean, you showed some of the some of the pictures you have there, some fantastic uh, classic books like johnny red or or uh, Charlie's War, which I mean I read that serialized years ago in a in a reprint comic and uh, I remember, you know I remember particularly uh, a panel where there was a a guy in a trench reaching for a flower because uh, it was the only thing of beauty and you know, and reaching for that flower he he, he Peaked above the trench and, and got got blown up, uh, and that's always stuck with me. But has that that interest in military history then for you has extended into comics? And oh yeah, very in- much
1: so. Yeah, uh, I, I'll read any war comics that that's published. I can I, if I can get my hand on it, I will read it. Um, I, and there are some wars that I know less about and it's it's harder to get into. But anything from Second World War is always interesting. The Falcons or the, the Great War. Um, It's always, but anything where there is sort of a, 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 I like an insightful, uh, humorous, uh, someone who can point out the absurdity of it all. Um, That's my favorite stuff. Uh, So like, this isn't comics, but uh, Alexander Barron is written a few just fantastic war novels that everyone should read oh. like from from the city uh from the plow which is probably my all-time favorite book
2: lovely um i mean i'm uh, i wouldn't have that same interest I and mean, maybe you're maybe as a maybe you're a purist but i'm currently <laughs> currently reading uh uh kurt busek's uh smith which is an alternative world war one uh you know which also includes dragons and magic uh, it's really interesting it's really it's a it's an interesting take on, on World War One. I uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not know. a
1: purist at all I find uh, as long as it is like as long as it doesn't um, pretend to be something it isn't I'm fine with it uh, and I, I think the only thing that bothers me if, you, if you're doing the second world war there's no need to try to make the Nazis worse than they were somehow because sometimes people are like yeah we're going to do Nazis we're going to make them really horrible Like, no no you, they're that's plenty horrible <laughs> yes. if you're going for
2: it. There's enough There's horror lot... there in reality. Yeah. Yeah. There's a,
1: it's a, it's a deep and, and rich vein of horror if you want to get into it. So it always <laughs> that can turn me off a bit. But um, well, I, I'm, I'm not a purist in any capacity, basically. I've, I've figured out over the past few years, Like, if you want to remake something, go ahead. Go for it.
0: With regards to war comics, then, certainly one of the best ones I would have read recently would have been... From Garth Ennis, did you ever manage to read his TKO series, Sarah, about the female yeah. Russian snipers, and of course Steve Epting, we've just mentioned on art as well.
1: I think that is one of the um, the best comics that now for years it is obviously don't tell Garth this, but it is so fucking good, uh, and I think it's one of the best things he's ever written, um, and I, I love the the Night which is the original what he did as well but I think there's even more kind of heart in this one mm-hmm. uh, and it does touch on the things that I love a lot when you have the like the absurdity of it and that that kind of the humor that's that's going through with the horror of it all um, it's so good
0: well you'd mentioned there as well when you were you know being announced as Punisher some of the the viewpoints that you got extolled to from you know or our gender, unfortunately. But uh, we were just going to ask, just before we jump into your your body of work, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about your experience as a woman in comics? You know, it's, it's obviously still quite a heavily male-dominated landscape, but there are some fantastic creators out there um, coming through more and more at the moment. I mean, how has how your experience been in comics that way?
1: Well, I would say that for the most part, it's been really, really great. Having said that, I, I'm, I've been into a geek culture for a long time. Uh, and uh, uh, like when I went to computer parties, that's one of the things you did in late 90s. And you you brought your computer, you sat together with a bunch of people and you're coding things and making demos. And you, you wouldn't play games because that was what the gamers did. We were the cooler ones. We're the one who made like creative stuff, Um, and having grown up with a bunch of men explaining everything to me at all times, I've kind of, I I just don't have time for the bullshit anymore, so whenever I get people, when I get the question, oh, you're writing Punisher, so what's your favorite Punisher story, like, it it is, like, immediately I'll just be like, no, no, I just, I don't have time for this, I don't give a shit anymore, Uh, and I try not to, I don't let it be a problem, but it, there are times where um, uh, like, gender comes up and people will... Uh, I had a guy who, who read, um, it was just a preview of one of the Jane Foster comics uh, and it was her with her son. Um, and he kind of went, hey, uh, we, like the men buy comics. Men do not want to to uh, read about children. Just fight your instincts. And oh, I, I usually let things fly but, but just the fight your instinct thing. Now it bugged me um, a little bit. But it, for the most part, it's it's fine. And and the, especially the creators are great. The publishers are great about almost everything. Like it's um, I, personally, I have very few bad experiences um like being a woman in comics
0: Yeah, i mean it's 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 a great thing i mean with with our store we've definitely seen it over time that our female audience has increased and increased and increased you know when we first opened we were in a smaller unit you know the way sometimes you worry about it being a bit clicky or you know am i going to walk in are they going to look at me strangely or whatever but you know so many of our best customers are, are are females and they're they're enjoying the art form more i think it's definitely moving in the right direction and there's less and less of a stigma attached to it but you know you, you do feel maybe there's still more work to do but uh, as i say it's uh it, it's a really inclusive medium which is one of the things i love about comics you know as well so
1: but i, I think the the thing about the the spaces where you meet people in general like i'm uh, as we've touched upon i'm a huge like aircraft geek uh and uh like we're building a spitfire i'm in a region spitfire foundation where we we try to trying to build a spitfire so i hang around at the airfields a lot and i get the so who do you belong to question a lot um and you get used to it but there's no way to answer that without being awkward Mm -hmm. when you go no no i just i'm here for the same reason you are because we're idiots and we like to listen to the sound of the engine that's why we're here um and you get the same thing with comics a lot, where um, or with Warhammer, or like you we love the thing. you do it sort of in private because the second you announce to the world that you like a thing, then you will have to prove it somehow. Will you have to explain why you like it or um, and and that that is annoying, and it's been annoying for a while. Um, and i th- I think there is a change, and I enjoy that. Uh, but I think that like the community part of walking into the store and and you you always kind of feel it like what kind of um, uh, welcome will you get when you enter whatever the thing is but in comics it's mostly fine.
2: It's good to hear and I mean I, I think Alan you know does a good job of sort of by extension sort of tr- nearly creating this like a safe space for all kinds of people in the store. Um, You know, I would very often, my office is quite close to the store, so I would very often come over and sit and have lunch, you know, together. And sometimes those lunch times are quiet and it's just, you know, Alan sitting behind the counter and myself sitting off to the side. And I'm, I'm just aware sometimes, you know, whenever people come in, they're seeing, you know, two <laughs> middle-aged guys sitting and you're like, is that in itself off-putting, <laughs> you know?
1: Well, I mean, that is at this point, that's expected. And like I said, for the most part, it's just fine. Um, and uh, I met my best friends at comic book stores. Like, it is a great community. Um, and to me, at this point, it's just that slight annoyance that comes from people uh, being like, oh, you write this thing, let me explain. What it is, or c- could you uh, justify why you think you like this thing, and then I will um, make a judgment and figure out if you're worthy of whatever it is. Um, and but I, I'm too old for it at this point. I just oh, I don't care anymore.
2: <laughs> it's 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 gatekeepers, isn't it? It's that that gate, gatekeeperism. You know that, uh...
1: yeah, but it, it is like, oh, you're gatekeeping a field where you have, like, I, I'm not sure what you're doing with that, but you can keep that part of whatever you want. And then we'll go over here and actually make comics. And, and, yeah, so, uh, that the, like the comic cons are always great. Uh, whenever you meet, especially the other creators, they're fantastic. It's one of the most inclusive uh, communities I've ever been a part of.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, and and I think as well, just when you were talking to us before we started recording, I think as well, just creators are so happy to see other creators because it can be a very, you know, lonely situation as well. You know, it's you at your computer writing on your own. You you know, you, you don't have a lot of community as you're working, so to speak. So when you're therefore in a large community of like minded individuals, you know, it's you're you're always going to get on really well I mean with regards to your your process for writing I mean it's, it's interesting I, I may slightly know part of the answer to this question just because we were communicating back and forth through email but you know are, are you quite strict with your writing you know what we had written here was you know is it a strict nine to five kind of thing or are you a night owl but you you already may have said to me you're not a morning person
1: I'm not a modern person at all. No, I, I'm technically supposedly strict with my routine. Uh, but it, it's, I need, like, I, I, I can't read, like, I can write six pages a day or whatever. Uh, but if they're not good enough, then I will stay until very good enough and I will, like th- that's when things kind of fall apart for me. So when I write, what I do is I, I write some kind of outline to this is where I want to go. And then there are, because you have like the plots and then you have the things that you want to tell through the plot somehow you have little bits of pieces that you know is going to be a great moment uh and I need a few of those to make sure that I feel like the book is what it needs to be um so when the writing begins sometimes I I need to have something on all 20 pages before I get into it and that's the thing that I struggle with the most just sitting down and just getting everything like knowing that we have an interesting book that's well-paced, that there are enough kind of human touches in between to make it worth reading as well. You're supposed to take something from it. Uh, and that's when my routine goes to hell because if, if that doesn't work, then I will just knock my head into the wall until it, it somehow magically works out. The work will get done, but it's mostly done like after my brain has given up on me like one in the morning my brain is given up and somehow the rest my anxiety is gone so now here is the work
2: you were you were saying just before you come on that yeah you, you had a bit of a breakthrough earlier on so
1: <laughs> and the thing is it's so disgusting that my mood is based on if if I manage to and it is it, it's an it's a page that needs to be really scary I wanted to be like disconcerting for the entire audience, including like fifty-year-old men, I wanted to be freaky, and it's always hard when you kind of put that in and be like, yeah, and then something disconcerting happens. Uh, and I think I nailed it. I'm so excited.
2: <laughs> and, I, uh, I I work with musicians a lot. I work I work in the music industry uh, for my sins, uh, but you know I, I see that same. Sort of excitement and musicians you know that same dread prior to a gig or, or that same excitement you know whenever a gig goes well or whenever there's a breakthrough in a song you know or, or whatever so that that uh, you know tying of of i guess mood to to to, to output or, pro- or product you know producing uh you know so uh, sort of sort of familiar <laughs> familiar with that i suppose in a different way
1: because there is that thing that i would like it to be uh the one thing is telling the story just this is what happens from like the page one to 20 the other is just getting in to the things that i would like if i was reading a book and that's usually something someone commenting on the story somehow that changes how you read it or how you see it um and it is like like some kind of profoundly human thing inside a superhero book set in whatever and it's always hard to get that balance right Uh, like I did the the Captain Marvel annual um, and you get a problem with Captain Marvel immediately because she's so powerful so you need to bring her into some kind of setting that's hard and it's gonna be hard for her somehow um and then i started developing this prison in space which is always fun and it's got really dystopian um and i could have written a fucking novel about that prison and how everything worked and why it is why it is how it is uh but that's not the job either so you kind of need to get the balance right and that's where i kind of struggle with it because i know that i need to deliver a superhero comic but i also need to make it interesting for like i i would like to make it something that i would like to read as well
2: yeah and i mean it's interesting what you say I about mean, that you know that human story i think you know we dress it up with superheroes and costumes and everything else but that's really what we're what we're after i suppose in the end and you know i think that tells by how often you know the likes of tom taylor comes up in our uh, in our conversation because he very much tells that that human story, uh, you know, in a very in a very lovely way. Um, you mentioned earlier on uh, we we talked a little bit about artists, you know, and, and about comics being a you know a visual medium. And as a writer, what about what about your relationship with the artist? How how collaborative is the process between you and the artists that you work with? Do you do you tend to stay in your own lanes as writer artist, or do you go back and forth to see you know? to come up with ideas, you know, much more than than just, you know, you coming up with ideas and then being drawn?
1: Well, it depends on who I'm working with and, and who is the, the publisher. For Marvel, um, most of the time the outline is in place and I, I might even have started or finished the first issue by the time we get an artist announced. But like for uh, Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor. That's coming out in a a few weeks. Uh, We have Michael Dowling on art, and um, there is a certain like there's a he is fantastic, Uh, and there is like a a distance somehow. It's so beautiful and it's so grand. Um, And then I I try to adjust so the story and the the tone of the story will match his art somehow but for marvel it's always like i i, I need to write something and i'm not sure who's going to draw it I, I it could change uh maybe there's one artist doing two issues and then we get a, another one of the third so we need to um make it like have a quite um like i we've, by the time the artist is there uh, we usually just get right right into layouts, and and that's how we work. Uh, but for creator-owned stuff, that's I, I just I try to involve the artist as much as they want to be involved, basically. Um, and I love it when people come with suggestions, or, or especially when I know that they will be more excited about the book if they can get something into it. Um, so that's always a different kind of a process. Um, but it is my favorite part of the of making comics is working with artists and seeing what they come up with. Uh, seeing the first layout, seeing the first pages. It's just, it's my favorite thing in this world. And then at some point when everything is said and done, uh, it's sent out there and the world will respond, which is always terrifying because uh, then you get the readers and everything. But it, it, my favorite part is getting like the first impression from the artist and seeing what he or she takes from it.
0: And in terms of your your process in, with writing, do you prefer to keep focus on one project at a time or are you quite proficient in juggling multiple titles at the same time?
1: Well, uh, it depends on where I am with the different the projects. Um, I, I sort of struggle switching over. I can do like the first half of the day is something uh, and then the rest is something else. Um, uh, but when I'm I'm uh, like outlining, I can usually juggle a few different things at once. But during like w- a single day, I try to stick to, if I can, just one thing. Um, or I'll I'll do that. You know, when you really procrastinate on something because you know it's it's not where you want it to be. Uh, it's not good enough, and you hate yourself and all that thing then I can switch over and like, write nine pages of something else because it seems so much easier than to continue where the thing where I feel like I'm just failing. Um, so I try to um, weaponize my own uh, uh, procrastination and anxiety and general meltdowns as well as I can.
0: Well, we're about to move into what is going to undoubtedly be Keith's favourite part of the podcast as we jump into the world of Thor. So, you know, many of your works at Marvel, particularly in the realm of Jane and the Valkyries, have been collaborations with Jason Aaron, you know, obviously best known for that amazing run on Thor and love of all things Asgardian. Can you can you tell us a little bit about the history and workings of that collaboration with Jason Aaron?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Um, well, Jason... Uh, he'd obviously written a bunch of Thor, and then at some point they wanted a Valkyrie series, uh, and that was Jason and Al Ewing who kind of did that very well, I should add. Um, but Al had a lot of things to do, um, and they needed another co-writer on it, and I'd met Jason a few times at New York Comic Con, and uh, I made an like I made a horrible impression, if we're honest, because I just I told the most horribly embarrassing story about myself, and he was like, "Hey, this fucking mess, I'll <laughs> I'll need to figure out what this is about." So he read a few of my things, and he sent it to Will Moss, uh, and said, "If we if we need another writer on Valkyrie, how about Torin? Uh, she is, she's she's a good writer, and she's Norwegian, and it seems like a perfect fit for the book." Um, and I love Jane Foster, so I was very happy to get the chance. Um, and it is honestly the best way to get into writing with Marvel if you have. I had Will Moss and Sarah Brunsta, uh editing, who are both amazing editors. I had Jason kind of having my back, just going, "I'll you can do whatever you want. I'll be here if you need anything." Um, and it's a lot easier to write your first Marvel comic uh, if you know that if you fuck up, Jason will come in and save you. Uh, but I tried not to. I, I tried to to be as uh, not annoying as I could with Jason.
2: Lovely, lovely. Um as as Alan mentions, I am a huge Jane Foster fan. Uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Jane Foster fans earlier on as being very energetic, excitable people. Uh, so I think that's that's probably meaty. Um, uh,
1: well, they are the be- they are the best fans you can ask for, and they're they're so um, uh, they're. Jane Foster is so important to them, uh, and they're so excited for anything Jane Foster, and they know so much and that they, they support each other. And it's just such a beautiful fandom to be kind of peek into and say, oh, sometimes it works. sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> nice,
2: yeah. I mean, i I absolutely love the evolution of the character, you know, from you know, initially being that sort of background love interest to you know, Thor to to a steadfast companion from. Cancer survivor to wielder of Mjolnir to Valkyrie to savior and core member of that returned flight of Valkyries. What what draws you to the character?
1: Well, a, a lot of different things. But I, I like I like that she she has an actual history uh, that includes a lot of um, things that would affect a person a lot, and then you can tell that from the character. Jason has done an amazing job of kind of. Yeah making her believable, despite the fact that it is an absolutely insane setting in itself. Um, and I enjoy the... Uh, I think there are a lot of people who, who... Because Jane, at this point, she's done everything, including dying, uh, and she's she's just trying to kind of make it work in a world that is... Um, uh, she's kind of done it all at this point, but she still need to make life work and figure out what's important in life when the world doesn't quite make sense anymore. And I think there's a lot of people who, who feel the same, trying to um, try to figure out how you're supposed to live life in this decade, how to make sense, so how to go forward during this time. Um so there's a lot of things in Jane's story that really resonates with me. And I'm also aware that a lot of the Jane Foster fans came because of um, her illness and her dealing with cancer. And a lot of them are either had cancer or been in close proximity to someone who either died or had um, struggled with the, the illness. Um, and I find the um, the themes and the ideas that comes from people who um have had to go through something like that it's hugely inspiring because we kind of get into all the time like what is the actual what is the important thing in this world and what makes life worth living and all those things that i enjoy writing about when you're writing superheroes which is it's always an interesting kind of balance to get right
2: well, you're, uh, you're, you're certainly walking that, walking that balance perfectly. For all uh, the, time. Uh, the, obviously we've got, uh, we've got Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor sort of coming out next month. Beyond that, do you have more stories that you'd like to tell Dr. Foster?
1: Well, well I do. I have, but I'm not sure how much they're going to, like, I hope they'll let me keep writing Jane, but I have no idea. Um, and uh, I think the, um, for most of the books now that I'm working on, it seems to be like, we'll we'll see how it goes, we'll see. Um, I know that when we started writing Jane Foster, uh, the Valkyrie Jane Foster, um, that was technically supposed to be an ongoing. Uh, but then we got the pandemic and it, we paused it for a while and then King and Black came in and we kind of got into, it kind of fucked up our timing of things. Um, but now it just seems to be like we're gonna take it one miniseries at a time and see where we're going, which is fine by me because I love writing miniseries. I like when you have like a beginning and an end and you can you can have a one specific tone set for that specific series. um but i I do hope they'll let me write yeah. to uh,
2: I hope so too. There's a I mean, there's a wee bit of a movie coming out fairly shortly that I think is gonna. Elevate Gene Foster in the in the minds of the populace. So uh, so here's here's hoping. Here's hoping. Um, is it just me that thinks it, or is Mister Horse the coolest breakout character in comics?
1: <laughs> obviously, <laughs> Mister Horse is. The thing is, he's the, he's the best character. I love him so much. Uh, obviously, Yorkshire accent. Uh, <laughs> you know you know how to speak a Yorkshire accent. Uh,
2: my my mother uh, was born in Yorkshire, and uh, my my. My late granny was from Yorkshire, so I sort of, I sort of uh, heard it a lot whenever I was a, I was a kid. But I, I've, I've heard a wee rumour that Al Ewing left behind some guidance notes.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I have <laughs> the how to horse doc- <laughs> document. It's the most important document that I have in my world, uh, and it's huge. It's hugely fun to to write new stories, and I love how uh, because one thing is the accent, which is obviously ridiculous. No, it's great. It is the best. I think that I, if I could choose um, uh, to speak anywhere, any way I could, it would be Yorkshire just because they, uh, of the, there's just no, the, the non excitement of it all. Like whatever it is, it's just, oh, I, why? Oh, like it's just, I love it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but Mr. Horse is also, you know, uh, like a, a union man. Oh yes. Uh, yeah, he likes things to be nice and proper. Yep. Um, and there's so many times that I've written like, there's there's a Mr. Horse scene that we need to cut because it's technically not important, but it is my favorite thing <laughs> in the book. <laughs> At some point, I hope I can just. Have all the Mister Horse stuff and just make a Mister Horse compilation <laughs> because Brilliant. he's my he's my favourite character.
2: And of course, he's come out with my favourite line in comics. Uh, I think it was it was uh, early this year, late last year, which is where he, he told us all never trust a Tory. Which of course oh, yeah. is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was very very good. I think I think that was actually Al uh, because that was in was that in Kate's book? I, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Uh, And then, because when you get like, oh, we're going to bring Jane Foster along and she's got a horse and then these American comic book guys are like, oh, fuck, we need to, uh, let's just call Al and just see if he can figure it out for us. (laughs) I try not to, uh, but it's nice to know that they're there. I also have some Yorkshire friends that I sometimes just send a a line to and be like, does that, does this sound right?
0: (laughs) I mean, how many pages are these guidance notes? I mean, I'm, I'm, you know imagining this big thick tome of uh, yorkshire <laughs> sayings and you know guidance for you
1: well i think it was originally just like a couple of pages but then i've added to it every time like i come across someone who speaks yorkshire and has some kind of crazy saying I'll, I'll jot it down so it just keeps growing at this point um uh, but it, it, it's it's fun i you... don't think i'll planned it to be this like uh this popular and uh, uh that it would be this impossible for the rest of us uh or maybe he did and he's just kind of giggling somewhere in whatever the-
2: <laughs> whenever you introduce your first northern irish character we've got your back
1: oh yeah excellent yep. uh that that would probably I, I would like that uh a lot uh, especially at this point, because I, I only feel like I, I speak only to uh, Northern Irish people, so I, I think I could do it. <laughs>
0: perfect, perfect. Well, as well as working in the world of Thor, of course, you recently made your Warhammer 40k debut with, you know, the fantastically dark Sisters of Battle. You know, it was it was a great piece falling on from Karen Gillen, You know, kicking off the Warhammer 40k era, if you will, at Marvel. Uh, I'm given to understand that you're a bit of a 40k fan. Do you do you play a lot?
1: Okay, so, well I I don't play okay, do I play a lot do you uh, leave the house at any point ever <laughs> okay, I can do I have I have my army um, but I, I love the painting part uh, I started painting Warhammer for my friends maybe 20 years ago or something um, and then I do play a bit as well but lately like for the past few years uh, it's not been a lot um, but I do have a sister of battle army which uh, just kind of worked out well Uh, and I do love it I wish I could play more but I say that about everything like I wish I could do a lot of things but all I do at this point is uh, I sit here and then I paint and then I write more like
2: it's uh, it's the part that I could never you know I've I've played Warhammer 40k in the past and, and games like it but the part that I can never be bothered with is the painting of the miniatures that's the part that sort of there's an awful lot of work in that. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. But it, it is like a very, it's, it's a very different challenge. I, I usually, uh, I paint oil paint, like portraits. That's what, what I usually yeah. do. Uh, and it, I like, and I um, I got into, but with the aircraft that I keep talking about, just putting together miniatures of aircraft was something that I did a lot when I was a kid. Um, and then at some point the things kind of collided and I realized that I could paint like Warhammer minis and they're all insane uh, which is always fun and the lore is excellent. So I find that the painting is the best part to get into the the huge lore of it all. Yeah. Um, but I, I did it was challenging getting into. Uh, because when you write Warhammer, you need to, you, you can't just go by the things that you thought, you think you know this about universe, but obviously at some point someone has explored it and you need to kind of recheck everything. So I had a conversation with Kieran in the beginning, just being like, so are there photographs? Like, are there, I don't there's like pictographs, what it, can we use that? What would they do? Like the, um, just getting the world correct. Mm. Uh, that was a challenge despite having... Painted a lot and read a lot yeah. and played yeah. a lot of Warhammer.
2: That's, uh, as you said, it's huge. It's a huge amount of, of lore and world building over the, you know, since the, since the 80s. Like it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible uh, that, that sort of level of, of lore was, was your, was your army the inspiration for the story or?
1: Oh, no. They, uh, well, they wanted a Cicero of Battle right. uh, comic and I just kind of figured that we would go for, if this was going to be an introduction to the Sisters of Battle, uh, it seemed natural to just um, try to ease people into the insanity somehow. Mm-hmm. But, and you can go like, they're nuns with flamethrowers, and that is correct. But they also sing like hymnals mm-hmm. throughout the battles, which is always, a, like you have to get into it. Uh, so this was my attempt to kind of these people into this the sisters of battle while hopefully still delivering both like carnage and, uh, an interesting story. Um, and it, it, it seemed to like the Warhammer people seem to like it a lot, which I appreciate. Um, I, I watched, uh, at some point there was a, like a, a YouTube live of someone reading through the, the comic, uh, and they've, they've organized in the comment section, they've organized like a, a drinking game for everything I got wrong. Uh, (laughs) And by the end of the comic, they were all sober. That's good. But it's quite a fandom. It's it's, it's interesting. And I got like, when it was announced that I was writing Warhammer, I got a bunch of so we hope you're a real fan kind of messages (laughs) i got some texts from people i'm like oh this vaguely threatening but okay i really (laughs) hope you
0: replied with just sorry what is this war slammer thing
1: (laughs) i really really love warcraft i love it i love warcraft so much
2: i mean it's rare it's rare to see that particular word from the from the point of view of female characters as well so that was that was really interesting
1: Oh yeah, I I think the thing about Sisters' Battle, if they're going to do like a female army, it seemed like the way to go. I think it, I I love them. That uh, that is one of those things about being a woman in any kind of geek community. You kind of don't want to go with the female characters, but they're just so cool. So mm. you like if you if you start getting into it, they're just objectively badass. Yes. Um. So I I love them. Yeah,
0: I mean, my concern when Warhammer was being brought onto Marvel Comics, I always have this worry because Marvel is now obviously owned by Disney, that they'll maybe tone down a lot of things. But, you know, reading uh, Morning's Calgar, it was obviously extremely violent. It was, you know, very, very harsh. Same with this as well. So, I mean, are you given guidelines when you're writing Warhammer stuff of can you only go to such a, a, a specific level, so to speak, of violence or darkness I
1: suppose. Well, well yeah we had to keep like the, are like the um, implied violence we can do whatever we want but they have like oh if you're gonna have an exit wound make sure it's silhouetted like it try to um but but the sex stuff i could go a lot like we, we played with Sladesh and and it could have been uh, a lot more graphic uh but both with marvel and games workshop we're kind of pulling back a bit there. Um, trying not to make it as like i had to kill a few things in there that i really wanted to uh do uh, but i think it worked out and i was sort of surprised at everything that i did get away with um because there is no limit to me at how violent something can be mm-hmm. um which is obviously great fun writing punisher because you, know, you can do whatever you want um, so, so that was mostly the thing that they, they didn't want anything that like you, you should be able to show it to a 13 year old, uh, and no like graphic sex stuff or really implied sex stuff either.
2: I haven't read it actually. Um, I would, I would love to see you announced as a, as a co-creator with uh, Michael Walsh and the silver coin that, that sort of horror sort of stuff. I think you would, you would fit very well there.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, that would that would be something. I, that it's so good. Yeah. Um, good.
0: Well, with regards to Warhammer, will you be continuing to work or play? I suppose in the world of Warhammer, any upcoming projects?
1: Well, nothing planned. Like if they ask me, I'll, I'll almost certainly say yes. Um, but I, I suppose there, we, but there's a bit of a different. Um, like the sales numbers, we need to see how much they do in the games workshop stores as well. Uh, I'm not sure how well it's done overall. Um, because there is like a, a quite different fandom marvel isn't used to in the same way we don't like so when i had i've written the outline and everything and we still needed to kind of wait for the numbers for kieran's book to see if that was still something they would like to do but i do hope that they finished the entire there is a plan i think oh
0: that's Mm -hmm. cool well in terms of upcoming work you know we you've already had the announced punisher war journal blitz which is you know solicited for june so just out next month it's so good to see Punisher books back. I have to say after the the last couple of years. But how was it playing in the Frank Castle part of the Marvel Universe? I mean, especially the the core title certainly at the moment that Jason Aaron has reintroduced. You know, it's Frank is now the murder in chief for the hand. It's it's very very different to what came before. So how how have you found playing in the in the Punisher sandbox?
1: Well, Punisher is, and I know this isn't like the in vogue to say, but Punisher is my favorite comic book character of the established ones. I love Frank Castle uh, and uh, it's been a tremendous amount of fun. A, a bit terrifying also. I think it's the, the thing that I've been most like, I, I really want to nail it. Um, and Jason is doing his core title and then uh, I get three war journal thirty pages, page, 30 page stories with three different artists and they're wildly different. Um, and it's just been a blast. It's just been fantastic. Um, so I'm extremely excited to see how it kind of how it's how, how the Punisher people likes it. Uh, and we're trying to stay away from trying to distance uh, Frank a bit from the kind of the gun-toting um, guy that we've seen him so far, which is. So sort of mm. part of the reason that why he's now wielding his sword, and uh, so it's just kind of a different set of challenges to try to figure out the funny ways he can kill people without using a handgun, which has been great.
0: <laughs> it's it's so remarkable to me though that they somehow think a sword is less violent than a gun.
1: <laughs> I don't like I I. I don't get into it. I let them <laughs> figure it out. And yeah. I know the um, like the the Punisher skull has been a, a like a hot topic discussion for a while now. Um, it always seemed to me like the least likely part of Frank Castle. Like if you have Frank Castle, it it doesn't quite. I don't think he would be like, I'm gonna go kill people now. But I'm just gonna. I need to get changed first. Like it just. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it would. But I understand why we need to have it. But so I just kind of I ignored that part and I just try to write Frank as best as I can, which has been a bunch of fun. Um, and there are some surprises coming up. And, and I think the third one uh, we go a bit back in time. Um, and I, I think it's going to be it's, it's my favorite one, and I think it's going to be like a crowd pleaser for a lot of people.
2: Yeah, well, that's that, that's interesting. We were we were aware of the. Of the first issue, but that's new to us that there's there's two more. That's oh great. yeah, brilliant, <laughs> fantastic news.
1: Oh yeah, um, and the the fun thing is that when you get like three stories and the, when you have thirty pages, you can actually tell like a proper story, which is it's the best. It's I I feel so lucky to be able to do this.
2: Great, and and obviously also in June we have uh, as we've mentioned, Jean Foster and the Mighty Thor, and uh, the solicits tell us that. Jane will once again pick up me on the air and become the mighty Thor. I'm looking forward to it, but is it a little bit of a step back from Jane? You know, for for going going from being the Valkyrie back to being Thor.
1: Uh, I would say that you, like I don't want to spoil anything, but I, I I hope that you trust us enough to know that we wouldn't do that. Uh, we, I've gotten a lot of questions like oh so you're just doing this because of the movie and I'm sure that Marvel obviously timed this because of the movie uh, but the story in itself um, it, it was very much like an organic thing uh, and I hope it feels natural to the rest of the things that we've done before um, you just have to, to see the, 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 we released the pages this week and there is uh a panel where she's holding milner uh it seem to it, it's going to be interesting to see what people think
2: <laughs> yeah no uh yeah absolutely trust you absolutely trust you i was just you know just asking to asking to see and well, without spoiling anything or maybe you can't tell us where we're going to see jane Gene foster thor side by side with the odin son again or oh yeah oh brilliant
0: Brilliant. No hesitation on no a spoiler there.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, yeah. Well, I mean, I, it would be interesting if this was how Marvel decided to kill four. It was just no, no. This just happened in the pages of a mini, and then that was it. That would be excellent. Uh, so, I but I always when it comes to these kind of things, because we we can do dramatic things in the in the character's life. Of course, I mean, we we can do that. But uh, part of the things that we need to do is figure out how to make an exciting story without the the tension being bound to will they die or not. Mm. Uh, so that's kind of why what we what we're trying to do somehow is to make the tension be about something else. And for both Jane and Thor. Um, we can make changes and they, it can be about who they end up being. Um, but let's assume that uh, for the most part the, the the people will either, if they die, they will come back at some point because that is how the oh, comics, yeah. it's comics, yeah.
0: And I see you've got the excellent Rand Stegman doing cover art. Is that for the whole series as well?
1: Oh yeah, and we do have, oh, we have, The most uh, like the the variant covers, like, there are so many great pieces of art coming out in this series. I've just, I'm this isn't announced yet, so I can't tell you who it is, but I just begged one of the artists to sell me the cover (laughs) because it's so good. And I don't have, like, I don't have, I have the Mattia uh cover from Mighty Valkyries, I printed one, but he works digitally. But this is one artist that. Does like fully colored paintings in oil and acrylics Oh, it's so good wow. um so there, there's a lot of great cover art coming for this series
0: you can I tell us that who that is night. you can yeah. tell us who that is after the after we record oh
1: yeah <laughs> yeah and, and because i don't get the variants i'll be i'll come to your store and be like hey can i buy yours <laughs> because i'm the writer Ooh. the only way <laughs> yeah. you would,
0: the only way i would do that is if you came in and dropped that line on me and said look I, i'm the writer
1: Okay. <laughs> i i brought this it was just but it's, it's so stupid because sometimes all i want to do is talk about comics uh and i don't see anyone like i talk to my kids but that's basically it uh so when i go into a comic book store i kind of want to talk about comics but it just sounds ridiculous i'm like hey by the way do you,
0: right? do, you do your kids read your comics at all out of just pure interest
1: no 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 that they they um I the first paid comics gig I ever had, like that I didn't like that was for DC and it was never published. That was a detective comic story and I told them I was like, Hey, mommy's writing Batman. Uh, and they went, Oh fuck off, like just, <laughs> just wake us when Marvel calls. Like we don't like DC. And then and then Marvel called and I went to like, Hey, Marvel, we I'm gonna write and they're like, Oh Christ. <laughs> So they, they don't. They don't read oh. anything. Uh, but sometimes they'll, they'll uh, like if they, if they use my phone and they'll see like Twitter notifications of people telling me things and they'll be like, oh, are you, do people like you? <laughs> you're so stupid. Why would people like you? Like it's great. Very cool. I mean,
2: I'm just enjoying the fact that you're nerding out about this stuff as much as we are. Oh. You know, so.
1: Yeah. Uh, what, I kind of, because I do like the, the geekiness, I would like my kids also to at some point get some kind of, I, I want them to be geeks. Uh, so I try not to, they like m- a lot of manga. Uh, so I don't read manga just to make sure that they don't lose their taste for it. And at some point I do hope like um, I have the full crust uh, in my bookshelf here. Um, and and that's the only book i've been like maybe not
0: crossed. Yeah, that's rough maybe, that is yeah. rough. maybe not cross yeah. is uh, crossed is a bit too far even for me
1: oh really i yeah, loved it
0: i tried and tried and you know i've i've read a lot of dark comics in my time and crossed is just yeah it, it's a bit too i mean i understand the social commentary of it and there's a there's a lot of intelligent writing in there as well but it's just mm-hmm. a, it's a bit too violent for me in some places
1: i'll tell you a quick story this is this is the toned down version of this story because it gets so much so much worse Uh, but i i was in warsaw writing uh and i brought all the crust and a bunch of other things um and then i was going on my way home in the security control uh and i was wearing like a i looked like i would say like an extra from a nagata christie thing i had like a huge hat and there was a petticoat and i looked ridiculous the guy, like the Polish guy, uh, he was just like, oh, and he couldn't speak English. So he just went, oh, mm, like, and I kind of interpreted that as, oh, beautiful, like, excellent. And then, and I really enjoyed the fact that he thought I looked like a lady. Uh, and then we got through the thing and I needed to open my bag. Because something had, yeah. And then, and I didn't want to do this because I knew that the first thing he would see was the size burial crossed. But this specific trade of crust, the, the front cover is ripped off because I had like a tug of war with a neighbor boy at some point. <laughs> so the first thing we see when you open the suitcase is just a guy fucking a dolphin oh! in the floor hole. And it was just... <laughs> oh! It was fucking awful. And he, he kind of just went yours, like in, in Polish. But that was kind of what I understand it to be like yours. And I was like, I don't, I didn't write it. Like, and then. I'm not know, the
2: writer. I, I didn't, I
1: didn't, <laughs> I don't. And it, it, it was just, and, and I think the worst part was because I'd been in Warsaw doing a bunch of research and writing. Like I had. I had, like, the m- memoirs of Rudolf Hess, the guy who ran Auschwitz. I had Becoming Eichmann. Like, I had, like, there was, it was so bad. It It is possible. Uh. And, and then, and I, I'll tell you the rest of the story when we do not record but it somehow gets worse oh
2: my goodness
1: yeah but that was like my crossed collection is uh, like I had the kids at some point they, they saw it and were like this is interesting I'm like no no that's not You can whatever else you can read whatever you want just not the crossed and that yeah. was uh, one of the guys like the boys he took the the book and tried to run off with it and i and he ripped the cover off and then he saw like a couple of things and i just like if you just you never talk about it again if you have nightmares don't you come fucking crying to me like. <laughs> <laughs> so th- that is the thing that i'm scared of because i've said no to that thing that my kids are going to be like that's hey, exactly oh, what they oh, want yeah
0: yeah, I mean yep. if you if you do manage to make it to our store, I have a collection of crossed upstairs. We bought a big comic lot from a previous store and there must have been about four boxes of crossed and there's at least five issues that have a that they're polybagged because the covers are that extreme. Now I opened up one of them just out of pure interest and it basically depicted uh, a massive violent orgy in the White House Oval Office.
1: Oh, perfect. Yeah. Excellent. That sounds about right. I have a couple
0: of customers who love that stuff, and they just think it's the funniest thing in the world. So uh, I have it some copies. It is the funniest thing there. in the world. Yeah.
1: You just have to get like, you know, when you're like, walk into the monkey house in the zoo, and, and it smells really bad, but then you get used to the smell. It's like that. You just need to get used to the smell, and you'll be fine. You'll love cross. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, uh, we've just a few more wee questions just to sort of finish off with. I mean, as as we mentioned, of course, Jim Foster and Matty Thor coming out soon, you know, those Punisher one-shots as well. Is there anything else in the pipeline you'd like to tell us about?
1: Well, there are a few things coming up, but I don't think anything is announced yet. No. So, I uh, know I can't. That's fair. Okay. But I mean, but, but please do read Punisher and, and Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor. It's going to be great. Uh, and I do, like, there are a bunch of really, like, the things that I'm working on now are things that will be announced in a few months, I mm-hmm. think. As always, I always want to talk about them a lot, but I can't. <laughs>
0: Well, see the, the reason the reason we ask I mean one of the biggest mantras in our store is always never follow characters follow creators so you enjoyed that particular Batman title well here's what that writer has also worked on here's what that artist has worked on so we just always like to carry bodies of work from our you know our favorite creators and and that kind of thing so we'll we'll certainly look forward to those those upcoming announcements then
1: see that i i like that i think i do the same thing when i buy comics i try to to make sure that i get everything from the people that i really love Mm -hmm. Uh, and it always seems to be be working out
0: that's probably what attracted you to cross because this is the other thing i don't understand about cross but given how violent it is the level of creators that have worked on cross is insane alan moore garth ennis kieran gillen I mean, these guys are at the top of their game. And then I, it's almost like they're getting all their base instincts out in this book that they can't write anywhere else.
1: Yep. I, I think that the fact that I, I can never write cross because I think it's kind of over and done with, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's painful to me. I think I would write great crossed. <laughs> uh, but I think it is that fascinating thing of like, um, you, you get to do all the things that you're just implying, you just get to actually do them now. Um, and, and a lot of those guys, like all of them have at some point, they, they write uh, well-articulated about war and the horrors of everything. Uh, and then this is kind of the reality of it, just with added, you know, circle jerks and rape. <laughs> just, the usual. just the usual. The usual. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well thus far your work has been has been fairly marvel heavy and of course you you self-publish web comics as well with the likes of the last train from brumeck and past which can both be found on your website and we'll make sure to link those in the description uh do you enjoy the freedom of working on on web comics relative to to working for a for a label
1: well i enjoy the the fact that you can get it out there quite fast uh and i do like being able to do different stories with different artists and I always make little, uh, like I, I'll print up something to bring to Comic-Cons and, and give them out or something. Um, what I do enjoy about working with bigger publishers is obviously all the things that are really tiring about creator own stuff, someone else kind of fixes for you. Uh, and especially during the, uh, like the, the supply chain nightmare of the last couple of years Mm. uh i've had one book just stop because we just we can't we don't have the money to fix it and the publisher can't like it's very neat to have someone else do that but i do enjoy the the freedom of just making a story and having the story just be out there and then that's kind of what it's about Uh, it's not necessarily about the the sales numbers or it feels like a very that's what what i um that's what I wanted to do when I started writing just to get the stories out there. But I'm also extremely aware that for the artists who will dedicate a lot of time to draw my stupid stories, um, I need to make sure that there is an audience. I will obviously pay them to for their time, but it, it's, it seems uh, awful to just be like, hey, just take two months to draw this thing and then nothing, like you, you want there to be an audience. Um, uh, so with the web comics, it, it can really work out very well, and you can get a lot of eyes on it. Uh, but if you don't, um, it, it feels like a, a bit of a letdown for the artist, especially. But I will say that, like my web comics, the things that I put just put online, been con- consistently the things that have gotten me work, uh, because. Um, I I think it's easier, like when when Jason met me, and as I said, I told this horribly embarrassing story and and, and left. And then at some point he kind of Googled me or something. And then he realized that, oh, I can actually write as well, which is nice. And it's easier to, um, like he didn't have to buy anything. You can just read it and then send it to the editors and just say, hey, what do you think about this? Which is, um, it's good to have something out there.
0: Yeah, I was reading uh, a couple of the, the ones from past that you had done just before we, we came on. And obviously you have a different artist on each short. Some shorts are eight pages, some are six pages, that kind of thing. How do you go about getting artists for those stories? Are they people that you know or do you actively try and search out and promote new talent?
1: Well, uh, I, for those I had a story in mind and then I tried to find someone that I I thought would work well Um um, but I think both with with San Espina and uh, Luisa Russo, I just I contacted them and said, hey, are you interested in doing something here? Mm-hmm. Um, I always like, make sure I pay people because it, there's a huge amount of time that goes into doing these pages. Um, uh, so, but I just contact people. Then I have some sometimes there are artists who who let me know that they would be interested in doing something if I had something coming up. Uh, so I have like my roster of people that I, I like to go through. And like I did um Dave Acosta, who's one of the is a brilliant interior, he's a brilliant artist, full stop, but I love working with him. We did a um, uh, a book called Majork. Uh, we never finished. We just had a first issue out. Um, uh, and that he's one of those guys that I could work with him on anything um, and that just begins with me contacting him, and being like hey do you, would you be interesting, interested in this uh, and I, I think he's one of those people that um, he absolutely understands what I'm trying to uh, when I write a panel description he will do exactly what I was thinking about just better which is excellent.
2: And, you know, with, with those, some of that work, there are some really, I guess, weighty themes and ideas explored as well. Uh, and, you know, even with their, the content warning, you know, before the, the stories kick off. I mean, how, how difficult or, or easy is it uh, for you as a writer being able to switch between, you know, the, the super heroic four color world of Marvel and then these to these more witty sort of heavier stories?
1: Um, Well, I I think that the adjustment is certainly getting into the Marvel stuff because it's not it doesn't pull as natural to me, especially things like uh, like quippy things while they're fighting, like like getting that thing in there. Um, And and I realized that I need you need some amazing pages. You need some amazing visuals. You need that in a Marvel comic. And if you have 20 pages, you need them paced in a specific way um, and that was an adjustment to me because to, earlier the emotional punch has always been the thing that I've thought mostly about trying to get that paced properly um, but in Marvel you kind of want you want the pages that people will like fall off their chairs looking at and you want the pages that the artist be like oh yes this is gonna <laughs> take me nine days <laughs> With... I keep keep give, giving Michael impossible things. I keep writing in like in the first issue we have like a human bomb. Uh so there's a there's a guy who turns into a bomb, but I'm like, hey, you figure it out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just write you, this stuff.
1: Just, yeah, but just there was just one sentence in the script and they're just like, Hey, you can and then it like it expands. You you've drawn two thousand ID, you should be able to fix this, and he did spectacularly. Okay. Uh so I just keep tr- Pushing things in, like, be like, yeah, this is, if you do it the way I can't imagine it, because I, I don't know what it looks like, but if you do that thing, it's going to be great. And it's great.
0: That That's exactly what the best artists do, though, isn't it? I mean, I one, one of our favorite titles from the last sort of year has been Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. And mm-hmm. the artist on it, Bill Quievly, is just phenomenal. And there's a, a story Tom Keane tells on Twitter where his page description was, supergirl looks over the horizon or something like that and then there's just this amazing splash page world building gorgeous colors you know detail as far as the eye can see so i suppose that's what the best artists do you know they they they, i'm sure they enjoy the idea of this complete freedom it's like right they've given me literally a sentence here i can do what i want yep
1: i think it's um it's the thing that uh i enjoy i just need to plug in my computer um like with Mattia, who did the art on the Mighty Valkyries, uh, and it's fantastically detailed into things that are like we had a huge wolf who, uh, like I, w- I would write one sentence like uh, the more swallows up hell, and he's like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll draw a wolf swallowing hell. It's gonna be fine. Uh, <laughs>
0: the final question just to ask certainly on those web comics i mean is there any interest in publishing them along the way you know having a nice anthology book or something like that perhaps
1: oh yeah definitely i th- i think at some point uh, there will be some kind of collection and i think i want to do more of them uh, but right now i'm just so incredibly busy with everything else and it- it's been like we <laughs> Like the first year of the pandemic we didn't know what would if we're going to go back to cons how that would work and uh the most fun thing about making anthology things is when you can sell them to people at comic cons and um so it's just been kind of a pause on everything for a while and and now i'm working a lot uh trying to get all the marvel stuff in but i I'm, i have and it's the best feeling when you, you start getting new ideas for new creator own stuff. And it feels like the world is starting up again somehow just because I'm inspired again. And I feel like I know a little more about f- what kind of stories will be relevant in in the next few years, maybe.
2: I mean, uh, speaking of that, I mean, any plans for future creator own work with maybe the likes of Boom or Image or Dark Horse, for example?
1: Yeah, I have one book coming out next year, I think. It's going to be interesting. Um so there are things but nothing announced yet.
2: Okay. <laughs> you're 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 teasing us with all this. Nothing announced yet.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I let's just say I work, I work like 19 hours a day. That's what I do. Yeah, That's right. all I do. So it, it there, there, at some point there will be books. <laughs> let's just say. Uh, yeah. but I just it's always It's frustrating when you can't talk about things. And I do understand why, because you do want the announcement to be good. Um, And like the announcement for uh, uh, Jane Foster and the mighty Thor, it said like it was one small sentence about something and then a bunch of people who just kind of went wild, tried to figure out what it was. Uh, So you kind of want to control the beast a tiny bit.
2: Yes, of course.
1: Uh, And it pissed off the Enchantress fandom because apparently Enchantress is not a villain in some people's eyes. So I got a lot of people being very frustrated that we implied that she was a villain. Okay. Okay. Mm. People are people are sensitive about these things, I suppose. I know, and I respect <laughs> it. I, I love enchantress, maybe yeah. not as much as this specific guy, but as much as the, the most people.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then you you say you work 19 hours a day, and all these books coming out and so forth as well. And then of course you're a portrait painter as well. I mean, you certainly keep busy. Do you ever sleep?
1: And uh, no, I I stopped sleeping a few years ago. Uh, I don't know how to do it anymore. <laughs> Uh, If someone can teach me, I think that would be like the thing. uh, If I could figure out how to sleep, you know, those horrible people who lay down and they're asleep after three minutes. If there was something that I could, I know. That's all I need in my life is to be able to sleep.
2: So it's a fairly, fairly important sort of a, sort of a skill to to master, I think. I know. Um, And, you know, with regard to, with regard to reading, uh, you know, if you still have time for that um you know are there any creators out there whose work you're particularly enjoying at the moment and then take your fancy over the, the couple of years in the in the house because there's been some great stuff coming out
1: well uh, like alex pacto though, mm-hmm. he's done a bunch of interesting stuff lately i think he's a really interesting voice and he's doing a lot of different things he's did, done a couple of things for marvel and now he's he just had his first DC workout, um, and I think I think he's interesting. I uh, really love Alex a lot. Matthew Rosenberg as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, always interesting to see what he's up to. Uh, Chips, obviously. Um, I, I think there are a lot of great comics right now, and I, I think especially the the indie stuff. But also, uh, we see it in the superhero comics that people are trying to kind of push. Um, push the uh, envelope a little bit and try to make something different. Um, and I, I think, um, I, I read a lot of the, like the 80s comics, the the British 80s comics, um, and there is like, a, there's a hope and there's a fight in there that we kind of lost over the last few years, I feel. Um, and it's interesting to see uh, how we're kind of adjusting to this, this world that we live in now that somehow feels a tiny bit hopeless. Uh, So we don't have like the fight establishment punk thing anymore, but we have another thing that's maybe equally as important. Uh, So it's interesting to see when people try to figure that out and and get that into the stories. And I I feel like we're getting, after the pandemic, the story seems to change a little bit more into uh, dealing with the kind of hopelessness that people are feeling, which I find interesting.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, again, you've been uh, ridiculously kind with your time and uh, chatting to us as long as you have. We, we always finish off our interviews with the same question and we, we always give you the pre-warning before we start recording so you have a good answer lined up. So again, we <laughs> always finish off with, do you have a favourite DC title series of all time, a favourite Marvel title slash series of all time and a favourite indie title slash series of all time? No pressure.
1: No pressure. Well, I would say, does would Watchmen be DC? Does that count as DC? Is in that case definitely Watchmen? That was easy. Mm -hmm. Um, In this stuff, there's so much great, but I think maybe The Lost American, Mm -hmm. which is just one of the best books ever produced. Uh, It's not a new one, but we're still like we're like eighties, nineties comics here, Uh, and then Marvel. I, it would be like the punisher or journey into mystery like kieran's journey into mystery ah, yeah, oh, that, the good.
2: stuff yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. That, it's really was good was
0: that done with stephanie Hans, who he then obviously went on to do die with i know she did covers
1: uh i'm not sure if she got into it yeah maybe yeah i know, uh, she, I know she definitely did it, covers
0: but i'm not sure about interior
1: yeah, and I think at some point she got on the Angela, the Witch Hunter stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, I think Gillen's, I've been reading through a bunch of them because it's relevant for what I'm doing now. Uh, and he is a clever bugger. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, and, and possibly, and I, I'll, I'll mention the original 1602. Um, yeah. The Neil Gaiman one, which is yes. also like it's an it's an odd pick for a Marvel work, but it is fucking it's great. brilliant. It's yeah, brilliant. It's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Absolutely. Go, um, I those. don't know if you've read, you've read that one, Alan, have you? 1602? I have,
0: yes, indeed. Yep. Uh, it's uh, anything Neil Gaiman writes, I try to cast my eye over at some point or another. I'm currently going through my first ever read-through of Watchmen, or not Watchmen, Sandman, because... The <laughs> first ever? Yeah, I mean, this, this is one of the great things I love about comics, is that everybody has gaps, that if you speak to different people, and they'll say, you haven't read this classic. Before I met Keith, I'd never read Bone, for example, and he recommended that, so that was a big one for me. So there's, I think everybody always has, there's always these big series that you've just never quite got round to, and Sam and I, I managed to pick up all the Absolute editions, so I'm doing it right, you know, oversized artwork, beautiful paper stock, uh, I'm, I've am i read the first Absolute so far, but yeah, I've, uh, it's a, it's a big gap for me, so... Is, is there a big gap for you, just out of pure interest? Is there anything that people have said to you, you haven't read that? Are you serious?
1: Well, I, I think of the things that I really love, there's a lot of the 2000 AD stuff that I obviously should have been reading, mm-hmm. uh, but but it is uh, its it's been a little unavailable over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's a bunch of things because I, I I was able to read the things that I could get mostly in used bookstores. Um, so like Charlie's Wars and everything. I, I think that was things that I got that someone had bought in the UK at some point and brought it over. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And a lot of the battle actions as well. I've never been Mm -hmm. able to read through, or I did, I went to Garth's office. He's got every one of them. And I sat and read through a bunch, like thinking that if I, if I get like a piece of spit or something here, he might kill <laughs> me. I terribly terrified. I keep, kept laughing out loud, and absolutely terrified that I would get mucus <laughs> on his battle actions. Uh, but but there are a bunch of, of the 2000 AD stuff that I've kind of realized that oh I I should have been um, chasing these downs previously. So I'm, I'm I'm doing that now yeah. as well as I can
0: yeah the other big one that i hadn't read before and again we do book clubs every so often on the podcast and mouse was another classic i I, i'd never read but what a book as well so but yeah as i say there's just you've what 80 plus years of history to read through and you know it's becoming more and more widely available these days so you know it's just just always playing catch up
1: and the thing is, I enjoy when people have, like, in everything. I absolutely hate it when people uh, think that whatever they're living in is the most important thing for life. I hate the idea of a Western canon, like, uh, that we have something that, like, if you haven't read, blah, 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 then you can't You're not a proper fan. About. Yeah. Yeah, you're not a proper fan of life if you haven't read enough, you know, Jane Austen, I love a Jane Austen, which is, in, in general, it, it annoys me when people think that they, just because they know a lot about something and you don't, that somehow makes it more important. Uh, so I like people's gaps. I think it's good.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Excellent. Well, I think we will uh, we will cut it there. As I say, we're approaching the two-hour mark. You've been ridiculously generous with your time. Exceptionally easy to chat to. We could probably continue this conversation for a good ten hours. I think. <laughs> I, I, so. enjoy,
1: I enjoy it. If the last sentence I say here is, "I like people's gaps."
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I've been Alan Taylor, and this has been Keith Miller.
2: You can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes and on Twitter where Alan is at coffee and Heroes one and I'm Ascanison00. Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop and community hub in Northern Ireland based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast.
0: You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel
2: as well.